It was the first time ever. People just expected me to win. I always had a dream of being a world champion. When I didn't have nothing, there's still mm -hmm. the same people around me. The jab, the throwaway left hook and then big right hands. I couldn't jump up and celebrate or fall to my knees like I'd had planned. Don't forget, he's got a pair on as well. And that's stuck in my head. The optimal time to teach something again is right when they're about to forget it. And at that point, we thought Roy's going to freeze here. We're going to be out of here in 10 minutes. People are going to be throwing ashtrays at us. This is the Box Gathering Podcast. Hi guys, episode number 79. Um, if you haven't heard episode 78, we have Alex Leguavel from Matchroom. Uh, please have a little look back at that one, a fantastic episode there, um, talking about his experience with Matchroom and all things community-based and their strategies about they're gonna help, how they're gonna help community-based boxing, grassroots boxing. Moving on to this episode, just want to do a sparring reflection. Uh, one of the spars that I've done recently. Okay, so essentially, we've got our boxers paired up and we're looking at shot selection. Okay, so knowing which shot to choose. Now, if we look back at video analysis, we can look back and say, well, you're boxing this guy next week. You might want to throw the right hand over the top here, or this is going to work, the left hook's going to work at this place. Whatever it might be, you, you have the comfort of doing that and that's really good preparation that can really help you with that with kind of anticipating that shot selection um, before you go into certain bouts obviously with amateur boxes we don't get really much of that because one the footage isn't there or you might not know anything about that uh, that boxer at all but the higher up you go the more you can get kind of armed with this uh, pre-knowledge about what's gonna what's gonna happen and how you can tactically approach the game now Generally in amateur boxing that doesn't happen, so I think in some ways we need to prepare that way. So one thing I allowed the boxers to do the other day was they both had their jab, so in terms of their range management, range awareness, range control, they were both allowed their jab. But when what they had to do is choose one little spot on their body of their opponent that they could land. And we've done something similar in one of the episodes before, but this one is a slight progression. So they could choose that and it could only be maybe like a two P piece size. So aim small, miss small, as, as uh, my friend and colleague Ivan Cobb always says. So they've got to aim that. And the first one is they can tell them. So the boxer knows where they're aiming for, so they can have some certain defenses in place. Um, and then the boxer tells, their opponent tells you where they're aiming. So you kind of know, it's a bit more of a dress rehearsal with a little bit of variability. Then you go into two spots, so pick two spots. So the boxer's kind of thinking, well, where can I get the most bang for my buck? So I can pick two spots and I can tell my opponent. So again, there's just that little bit more uh, for them to consider offensively and defensively when they're sparring. But then we go into them not telling. So they can go into one place, but they're not tell. But you're only allowed to throw the jab and then that one other two P piece on the body, on the target area. So. In terms of the representativeness, that goes up and it looks a lot more real, so there's a lot more chance that skill is going to transfer. So both boxers don't know what the, the other person's throwing. But of course, boxing is about looking and studying to see what the other person's doing. What, what are they trying to do? So we cotton on to their offense. So hopefully we start um, getting some defense put in place. Right? But then what happens is when they start realizing that you're cottoning on, you might kind of adjust how you throw to the target. So then we offer the two parts. So now there's two targets, two maybe two P pieces in different places. And again, you don't tell your opponent, but you must only commit to those two places, plus the jab as well, just for help with your range management. 
uh, and that works really well. So I found that this, this worked quite well, but only for a certain amount of time because eventually the boxer does cotton onto it and they manage to shut each other down and it becomes a little bit of a stalemate, although the boxers do try and find different ways to adapt um, and find the target. Okay, so I then thought, how do I slide that scale of representativeness? In other words, does it look like the game? And the less it looks like the game, the less likely it is to transfer. So how do I slide that, um, that level up? So I thought to myself, well, when you're boxing, you don't have the opportunity of standing in front of someone and thinking, okay, right, what shall I throw next? Where should I aim between the rounds? You have to be able to adapt on the fly. You have to adapt under pressure when there's punches coming back to you, the range of the adjusting, all these variables start happening. So my, first, my next step was, okay, so they're both allowed the jab again. But when they come to their first two PPs, or the first little target they're going to aim for, they have to decide as they're boxing. So as they're moving around, I will then suddenly say, okay, the first level's in, the first target is in play. So now they can start um, throwing to that target. But as they're thinking about what that target is, that's exactly what they're doing. They're actually thinking, what's the best shot that I can throw when Adam unlocks that next level? So they're having to think under pressure. So whilst shots like the jab is still coming back at them and the range is adjusting, the tempo's adjusting, etc., they've got to think, right, okay, now I've still got to think about what's the best shot. And then of course you open level two up as well, which should be a different target area. So again, they have to think on the fly. So this is working, that's working, or maybe it's not working, but I need to expose and open up another target. So a lot of things started emerging, things like on the attacking line, people were fainting to try and expose an area, or they started on the kind of positive defense line, they started drawing and triggering certain things. So they realized that their opponent was aiming for this spot, or this target on their own body, or this target on their own body. So they knew that they could expose it when they were throwing the shots. <clears throat> so counter-punching counter and counter-attacking started happening. It all kind of started emerging. So just from these certain constraints, what I really, really found is different skills started coming out, such as counter-attacking, counter-punching, and those three kind of lines of deception. So fainting uh, on the attack line and drawing and triggering on the defensive line, if you're going to counter-punch and be a positive counter-puncher. Um, but ultimately what was happening is the boxers start externally looking out. They start looking at their opponent, where the gaps are, where the opportunities or affordances, whatever you want to call them, where those opportunities to score are. But also knew that if the other person was throwing their shots, they had to defend those two because they started tuning into what their the other their opponent's game was or what the targets they were trying to throw to. So what I found is I found a quite a real high level of representativeness a lot of variability thrown in there as well. So without all the, the lovely little buzzwords, representative, does it look like the game? And variability, is there lots of different problems for the boxer to have to solve that actually looks like the sport of boxing in, in a competitive setting? And I thought, yes. So I thought there was quite a high level of representativeness and quite a high level of variability. So the boxers were able to um, put their attention on not just what they're trying to throw, but also trying to shut down their opponent and also strategies to make their opponent punch or strategies like fainting to make it more likely that they were gonna land their shot. Okay, so have a little play around with that. If, if you've done something similar, please sort of share that with me. Um, happy to talk about that with people online, etc. But yeah, I just found it a very sort of good way of making sure that rather than just saying this is what you need to look for, 
they have to make that decision on the fly while they're under pressure because it's exactly that's exactly what happens in the battle, isn't it? They've got to be adaptable boxers, adaptable athletes, problem solving, free thinking uh, individuals. So those constraints I found were really, really useful in terms of not being too prescriptive, although they were slightly prescriptive at the start, but then it became a little bit more about the boxer choosing the right solution under pressure. Okay, guys, just emptying my brain there uh, on the way home from Dice. Cheers, guys. Speak to you all soon. Bye-bye.